The Wonderful World of Dark Lords, The Peddler's Tales, Alameda Slim. Enclosed, the deed to a small farm called the Little Patch of Heaven, as well as to its livestock. My illustrious patron, my full report on Londinium is forthcoming, but in the meantime I have enclosed an odd souvenir that I found while traveling a busy street market. The stalls and barrows were filled with anything and everything a sham could unload, from rare alabaster, genuine plaster, to a garment worn by Sadra de Henner just once at some royal occasion of yore. As I pushed past a man trying to sell me a whistle that he claimed would allow me to speak to birds, I heard a familiar voice calling to me. You there, ma'am. Remember me? I sold you a genuine DeVille fur coat for a song back in Sunnyside. I've got another deal for you. I recognized the glib peddler from Sunnyside, but while he was undoubtedly the same man, the accent I remembered had been replaced by another. I was curious about the discrepancy, and in any case, I could hardly pass up another opportunity to add to my patron's store of knowledge, even if it meant haggling for more finery on his behalf. I remember your face, but between the accent and the clothes, you look like a different man. Are you in some kind of trouble? Me? A man notorious for nothing but honesty? No, ma'am. It's just that when you make your living peddling to the common folk, it pays to accommodate local tastes. The same accent can draw a crowd in one market and a mob in the next, as you must know yourself from your own travels. A fair point. If you want to avoid mobs, I recommend you steer clear of Notre Dame with any accent. What are you selling this time? Well, if I told you I was selling a piece of heaven, you'd walk away. No, ma'am, I said if. I wouldn't make a pitch like that to a canny, tough-minded customer such as yourself. The peddler produced a scroll case, from what sleeve or hidden bag I have no idea, and displayed it with a grin. I'm selling a piece of heaven with a deed. You see, way out west, or maybe east, I may have gotten turned around since then, in a land where ranching barons rule over ranges that stretch as far as the breathtaking open sky, there's one little farm, smack in the middle, where an even greater beauty lies on just 120 affordable acres. I'm not talking about a pretty little patch of rural life, although it is that. I'm talking about true divinity out there among the dairy cows. I said heaven, and I mean heaven. Heaven is on a farm, and you have the deed. Supposing this farm exists just for the sake of getting to the heart of your nonsense, what could have possibly persuaded the previous owner to sell? Well, ma'am, how do you reckon you'd do in a scrap against a couple dozen cows? Trick or, Trick or treat! treat. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone! <laughs> Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. I'm Chris. No, now you're trolling us. <laughs> I, 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 w I was going to do trick or treat. I thought there was going to be a thing and then a pause and then, but the moment has passed. I can't do it now, but just know I, I do. I get credit for it. I was going to say trick or treat on your podcast. And on this spookiest of holidays, we are discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft domains of dread, except sometimes we can't. And when that happens, we have our new bonus series, The Peddler's Tales. Today's story, the long-threatened, long-promised, <laughs> long-prophesied tale of Alameda Slim. So, Chris, you did this to us. Yes. You, <laughs> you are, I did. are the founder of the feast. Yes. You were the reason that we had to watch that. The reason movie. for the season. <laughs> oh, did you have to watch it? Did you, did you watch the movie? You didn't just read the Wikipedia <laughs> entry. I mean, I, I watched the movie, but I thought, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't I didn't mean for this to happen. Um, <laughs> it's gone too far now. We can't stop it. What have I done? <laughs> but no, I'm very excited about this. I, uh, you know, as, as careful listeners may have picked up, I'm very excited about doing an Alameda Slim <laughs> episode. And uh, yeah, after after watching the movie, it really is a horrible movie. But I, I, really I remain bad. excited. Gosh. <laughs> Alameda Slim. Dear listeners, if you listen to this and you think Alameda Slim is a really fun sounding villain, maybe this movie's not bad. It It's so bad. It's very, it's very terrible. bad. It's terrible. Please, very guys, bad. you don't even know. Don't do it to yourselves. Just go on YouTube and look up his song and that's it. You're done. And you'll watch <laughs> yes. it and you'll be like, oh, is this movie good? It's not good. No. It's not good. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible movie. But as mentioned, Alameda Slim is a fun villain, mm -hmm. so why don't we 
talk a little bit about who he is and why we're bringing him in and all that good stuff because presumably none of you have yeah, seen yeah, a terrible like, movie. I hope. Cruella, we didn't have to explain who Cruella DeVille is. We felt pretty safe assuming we could just jump into a discussion of Cruella DeVille as like a Ravenloft NPC antagonist, whatever, but you're probably a lot of you going Alameda Who right now, mm-hmm. so. Okay. Who wants to summarize Home on the Range slash Alameda Slim? I think Chris should do it. I think that's a fight. I second the motion. Uh, that's, no, that's fair. Uh, so, first of all, I'm definitely not going to summarize Home on the Range. Uh, yes, no, it's it's pointless. Yeah, but Alameda Slim is uh, this, this big, burly cowboy guy. He's sort of like a, a cattle rustler, but... He sort of has two different modes. He has, well, three different, but we'll get to that. He's He's got like his <laughs> rugged Western rustler look. And then he's got this like sort of fancy sparkly look during his musical number because his gimmick is that he is a yodeler. Like, and he's not just like a casual yodeler, but he's like an artistic yodeler. And his yodeling, it has this like Pied Piper effect on cattle. <laughs> and so he, he used to be some kind of ranch hand or something for like all the big... Uh, landowners, but for some reason, in some unspecified way, they they spurned him. I don't really know what the backstory is. He doesn't really explain it, but they wronged him in some way. And so he's taking revenge on them by using his yodeling to kind of like sweep by in the night and steal all their cattle. And when he does this, then he can, you know, he gets the cattle, he can sell off the cattle, and then the ranches go under and he can buy them up with his alternate identity of um, Yancey Odell. So he has this like respectable businessman alter ego that he's using to buy places up. And so in the movie, there's this tiny little ranch that's like the last place he needs to get to like consolidate his ownership of, of everything in this region. And that's the the plot of the movie uh, of which we will not speak. There's some cows yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bad scene. That, but yes, that's Alameda Slim. He is a yodeling cattle rustler, like Pied Piper type um, <laughs> with like some, some typical incompetent Disney henchmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with the, the Peddler's Tales format, this is the one that we use for things that work well in Ravenloft, but don't necessarily work as domains, which Chris, you suggested in part because there's a lot of that in Disney, but specifically because you wanted to do Alameda Yeah, Slim. yeah, there's no way to make this a Ravenloft. Because, yeah, nor would you want to. Yeah, yeah. But you could you could make him a fun villain yes. and just take him away from all the home on the range nonsense, which, you know, we all want to cut out the home on the range nonsense, so why not do that? It's just, it's a very bad movie with a very fun villain. Mm-hmm. And then that's useful for this series because we can just take out that one good part mm-hmm. and, and make your own story that will be better than Home on the Range. <laughs> it's worth mentioning there are kind of two alternate versions as they were developing the story. Uh, we are mainly sticking with the kind of as is, which just, I love, it would be enough if he were just the Pied Piper of Cows stealing mm-hmm. cows but the fact that this isn't just he doesn't just want like cows for money to be rich this is all out of some sense of like grievance he wants revenge on the landowners for not appreciating him makes him an even richer and more fun character yes absolutely i i think that's one of the key things and i mean as we'll talk about throughout i'm sure it, part of the question is like where would you use him in the context of a campaign and i think there is so much room to have a lot of fun with kind of a low stakes petty villain because you can have these sort of like these petty motivations these like these small challenges where you're not going to like pull out all the stops i think that often makes for a really fun adventure um mm-hmm. and uh that and that can work like really at any level i think it maybe works best at like very high and very low levels but really anywhere <laughs> you can use a villain who is like okay there are these you know these big bad guys we have to take down for cosmic reasons and like, you know, big, you know, good versus evil reasons. But then there's also just like a lot of, you know, like small scale jerks you would imagine <laughs> all through Ravenloft and you should you should fight them sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> but there's two kind of alternate versions as they were developing the movie and those also might be fun for you. And we are going to touch on them a little bit. And one in the original kind of draft he was actually undead. He was like a ghost who was killed in a cattle stampede and was actually planning to use his hypno yodeling to actually like lure cows off a cliff to die because <laughs> they were going much more with a Pied Piper, like really doing the original Pied Piper story. And that got like 
cut pretty early for <laughs> obvious reasons. But we are going to circle back to that idea of a sort of undead, vengeful ghost, Alameda Slim. And the other was his plan. And I, I, we've disagreed a little bit about yes. this. I, I wish they'd gone with this. Which <laughs> the, was the Colors are pro original script. Yes, Chris is anti original <laughs> script. The original like plan Alameda Slim had in the story was that he was building a cattle army to march on Washington <laughs> to take over the country and make himself president. <laughs> and I feel like if that had been what they went for. Dear listener, you would have heard of Home on the Range. You would have been like that insane 2000s Disney movie with an evil cowboy who wanted to be president. And if you've seen Alameda Slim-like pictures anywhere, which we hadn't until we watched the movie, but if, if, you, if you've seen the character anywhere, he was going to, like, whip off his cowboy stuff and have an Uncle Sam outfit on underneath, which just sounds glorious. <laughs> it's, it's good. I mean, I'm not anti the original well let me rephrase I, I think i think we can all agree that we're against every version of this movie but in relative terms <laughs> I, I i think i i prefer the version they went with only because it is like so small and i like the pettiness of the villain but mm. i do think there's a lot to be said for the version where he's taking over the country with cows and and if you wanted to like like if if for some reason the the idea possessed you to do like a ravenloft one shot with alameda slim as the villain I, I feel like that's what you would do, right? Because if, like, if that's the <laughs> one story, then you got to go all the way. All right, um, listeners, I'm, I'm putting a pin in this right now mm -hmm. because we are going to circle back to Alameda Slim trying to take over a domain with cows when we get to Book Club of Dread, Tower of Doom oh, in December. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm a tenderhook! <laughs> <laughs> because I'm telling you right now, it's a better plan than the plan to take over Dark Knight. Wow! Oh my lord! <laughs> it's like a Marvel movie. That's like a Nick Fury coming yes. at the end. Like, oh no, I have to watch the next one now. <laughs> yeah, Book Club Mark of Dread, December, yeah. December, December, uh, December bonus episode, Book Club of Dread, Tower of Doom. Oh, terrible, terrible wait. plan to take over Darkon. Or you could have Alameda Slim try to take over Darkon. Yes! <laughs> Our, so our default is kind of what we have in the movie, and that is just he was a ranch hand, and he was fired from all these ranches, and the line we have is, those stuck-up ranch bosses couldn't appreciate my talents. Which, like, <laughs> sort of, I take to mean he yodeled all the time <laughs> and got fired. So this isn't just, like, he was fired for being bad at ranch handing. But they just didn't want him to yodel at the ranch, which just makes it so much more fun. Yes. <laughs> and you could have an undead version. You're not trying to, you know, murder cows. But in that actually is sort of Rachel. I think Rachel thought of this. The, like, vengeful ghost that is trying. Remember the Rachel with Chris that thought of it. The vengeful ghost that's still, like, he can't rest because he needs to, like, avenge this wrong against him and his art. And, <laughs> like, that's the whole plan. That's the motivation. It's not just to get revenge. It's to, like, get revenge as an angry ghost. <laughs> but not, like, the people that murdered him. The people that, like, fired him because he wouldn't stop yodeling on the job. Oh, this... Uh, here's the... Okay. Very short, like, pitch of a specific way to do this. Because one of the things I love about Alameda Slim is he has, like, a lot of player character energy, which you love to see <laughs> in a villain. Um... <laughs> What it could be is he was a bard who was an adventurer, part of an adventure group. <laughs> he was hired to, like, guard the caravan, right, guard the cattle. Then when he got there, he was like, hey, hire me to, like, use the power of yodeling to lead all your herds around. And the bosses were like, like no thanks. Like, we've got plenty of yodeling. Go somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> it, and in some way, he, like... He he dies either like like they like the cattle stampede because he's trying to pull something off that he can't, or he gets like because of this he has to go adventure and he gets killed in an adventure. But in any case, he is like essentially a player character bard who died, and he wouldn't have died if they had just given him the cow job. And so he's back <laughs> as like a bard goes trying to rip off all these cattle. I think that would be fantastic. You know, I I never made this connection, but you are absolutely right. He has big PC energy. He does. Yeah. Like that that like okay, these guys were jerks to us, so we're going to steal all their cows with magic, sell them, take the money, <laughs> buy their land on foreclosure, and that'll show them. That's very like a 
hyper elaborate and petty kind of yeah. DC plan. And the GM's like, guys, the Dark Lord's rising, the world's gonna end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, these ranch, these ranchers, man. You can almost imagine the player characters gathered in the mine, like, wait, why did we invade this mine again? And having to like backtrack and like, oh right, right, right. And then this is where we bring the cattle to put on the train. <laughs> And if you want to go with the undead, which, you know, our, our official is is living, vengeful Alameda Slim, but in my heart, he's a vengeful ghost. <laughs> I specifically want to draw your attention to in the Monster Manual. There's an type of undead called the Revenant, and they're basically the crow, if you get mm. <laughs> core generational nerd reference. For our uh, younger viewers, I'm not talking about the large black bird. I am talking about <laughs> a movie and comic book series from the 90s. Of a man in goth makeup. And a man in goth makeup. I promise you've seen the goth makeup, if nothing else. And this idea of a a person is killed is like the, the flavor text, the canon, and they rise from the grave because their thirst for vengeance is so great. But in this case, the thing that, like, the fire that burned within him that even death could not quench for vengeance was to get revenge on the ranch owners that fired him for yodeling. <laughs> <laughs> and this is good because with Revenants, they have this built-in year timer it's like from their resurrection they have a year to get their revenge or they like crumble into dust and so mm. that even like adds urgency to his scheme it's like no i have to do this right now i have to get the ranch the last ranch you know i only have a couple months left before a timer runs out my revenge will be incomplete yeah yeah i'm, I'm very into this the the revenant's a great idea and and i think in general the undead angle is great <laughs> for sort of like giving this uh like a real like fantasy edge and a point like to to sort of like bring the situation to a head inevitably while hmm. the player characters are there and yeah so he has a couple possibilities for the character uh they're great and this is certainly not the kind of undead they were pcs were expecting to fight when they went to ravenloft <laughs> um so we mentioned he has these hypno powers he can yodel and hypnotize the cattle and a simple way to do that, to give him this ability in the write-up, is that he has the ability to cast Mass Suggestion. But when he yodels, that's like the verbal component, is yodeling. Mm -hmm. And that Mass Suggestion, however, can only target the members of a specific like type of beasts. So, like, a herd of cattle. Like, they have to be, it has to be beast type, and it has to be the same you know, species of beast type that are all the targets of the mass suggestion. So he can get a herd of cattle to follow him obediently. <laughs> and this also gives you, we're going to talk about this a bit more in the like adventures with him. This gives you a little more variety and a little more flexibility in things like combat against the PCs. If he can like target other types of animals as well. And it's an uh, important part of the movie. Uh, for only, th only time we're bringing the movie in here mm -hmm. that uh, you have to be able to hear the yes. music, the yodeling for it to, to charm you. So if they're uh, if they're able to make it so that the animals can't hear, right, right, then right. Uh, that they're going to be immune. Yeah, which which seems like actually a really important point because. One of the things about this power set is that it is so, if you set it up right situationally, it's a silly power that could be extremely powerful against the PCs. Like, <laughs> you do not expect to be punked out by the guy with cow powers, but <laughs> if you've ever been a first level character in a stampede, you know that you do not want to be there. Like, it's, it, it is very serious. And, and I think you're going to want to pull these things about, like, creative use of the powers, situations mm -hmm. where he has the advantage. And one of those things is on his first encounter with the player characters, if you do extend his power beyond cows to like any one type of animal at a time, there's every possibility that he could, for example, do something with their mounts, that he could do something with mm. familiars, animal companions, there's all kinds of stuff he could do. Then in later encounters, you would be able to prepare for that and make sure that yeah, your animals yeah. can't hear him. Yeah. And or that's the kind of thing like PCs yeah. love that sort of uh, problem solving arc mm -hmm. of like, ah, but now my horse has cotton in his ears. Yes. So, ha ha. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Slim's like, what's happening? Why is my yodeling not working? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is like, you can't pull it all the time, but a great thing to pull on PCs from time to time is like an encounter that they definitely should have one, but it just like the situation is such that somebody gets away with putting one over on them who is not really in their league because mm -hmm. that feels so good to come back to later. Like, oh, now we're ready for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not going to let you walk away <laughs> thinking that you're on our level. Yeah. Like the, the, the villain has like a trick. Mm -hmm. And it works the first time, but then they get the joy of like, oh no, now we know your trick 
we're going to completely destroy you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, to run that character, and for the write-up, we do need those values. We need the role-playing trait, the ideal, the bond, and the flaw. We do these in the style of Van Richten's Guide. These are quotes from the character. And so, of course, we like to take quotes from the character in the, the media, in the fiction. So, uh, Chris, I believe you were going to get some quote suggestions for our role-playing trait, ideal, bond, and flaw. That is I have... not a thing I remember, but you probably told I'm me good. to. I'm good. I got it. So I have some suggestions for our role-playing trait, ideal, bond, and flaw. And uh, there are not a ton of quotes from Alameda that apply to this. Most of them are about cattle and yodeling. And our things are probably going to be cattle and yodeling. Mm-hmm. The man has two modes. Yeah, right. So <laughs> role-playing trait is very tricky. Um, just you can give us our quotes and we'll do the... We don't have to do it like we do it. Right, yeah, yeah. So here, here's the quotes I have. Okay. So first, we already kind of referenced this one, which is back in the day, I worked the highfalutinist ranches you've ever seen. Those stuck-up ranch bosses couldn't appreciate my talents. Mm-hmm. Then, second quote, Now that all his cash cows have disappeared, that poor sap's going to be flat broke. Perfect time for a certain upstanding landowner to step in and take all the land. And then one I absolutely know mm-hmm. we're going to include... Which is songbirds sing, saloon gals sing, little bitty snot-nosed children sing. I yodel, and yodeling is an art. Mm, that sounds like an ideal. That yeah. really sounds like an ideal. Yes. So Let's see if anything else jumps uh, out. Yeah, that's. And I also think this one is gonna be strong contender for something, which is when you're talking revenge, every last acre counts. Ooh. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then a couple of lines from the yodel lady yodel lady. <laughs> Are you so- going to yodel them? Uh, I can. <laughs> okay, all right. You, you. But uh, this was not my plan. <laughs> you see, I the sweetest way of rustling yet devised. I'm not going to yodel again. Looky how them cows get hypnotized. So I think there's something in the the sweetest way of rustling yet devised. Looky how them cows get hypnotized. Mm-hmm. And then, a bovine ain't been born that can resist my charms. <laughs> and then, from the person, if we want to kind of bring in the persona, pleasure doing business with you. Odell is the name for closures the game. Okay, yeah, de- definitely the yodeling is an art. I think it's got to yeah, be. Yeah, it has to be. That's his whole thing. That is the, the, the fire that burns possibly to the point of undeath <laughs> within this character is his passionate <laughs> defense of yodeling. So, a flaw, a role-playing trait, and a bond. I think the back in the day, I worked the high fluteness ranches you ever seen, but those stuck up ranch bosses couldn't appreciate my talents. I think that actually works well for a bond. Mm, yeah. It's his bond to both his talents and the ranch owners. And that is sort of the motivation of all, kind of all of the, the versions we are coming up with. That's the motivation. Yeah. Uh, one, I don't know if this is a flaw. I, for me, I like, um, the every last acre counts quote as a flaw yeah. because that's like, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, if he were like the saddest dark Lord, that would be his, <laughs> that that would be his problem is like, it's, there's this one tiny place. Yes, he has yes. everything he wants except this one tiny place and he's obsessed with it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I would have that be the flaw. And if that's going to be the flaw, then I think a good role playing trait would be, um, he has one line. Uh, it ain't over till the fat man sings, mm-hmm. which is like the refusal to accept defeat. Like, you know, it's never over. Like, I'll always find a way to, like, turn it around on all, you know, all the haters. I feel like that's that's very much his his energy. I he's love gonna, that. Yeah. He's going to believe he's going to win when you already have him, like, hogtied. Which, what's <laughs> it got? Very PC energy. Yes. <laughs> you, yes, thank you. That's a great quote. Yes, perfect. And with the, um, if he were a Dark Lord, yes. If he were a Dark Lord, his the torment would be that he Lord. can't get this one ranch. Mm-hmm. Like, a really dumb kids cartoon villain. Who's like, ah, I went by John Candy's summer camp. <laughs> I will try constant planned evil schemes, and they always fail to buy John Candy's summer camp. Like, he would be that <laughs> as a dark lord. Or even, like, the, the when you're talking revenge, every last acre counts is kind of, like, a similar thing to what we were doing with Cruella of the, like, yeah. she can't just have the puppies. She has to have Roger and Anita's puppies. Yeah, yeah. And to, to spare you from watching Home on the Range, yeah. like... The thing that unravels his plan is his targeting of the sort of main character's ranch. Like, and it's this tiny little ranch. He owns everything else. It's this one little speck on the map. But, no, he has to have every single acre. 
and insisting on having that ranch is what leads to his downfall, leads to the sassy cows defeating him. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, is, it really is like classically, it is a tragedy, I think. Like truly, he's, <laughs> he's the protagonist. Um, <laughs> I No, I mean, this is for another podcast that I that no one should ever make. <laughs> <laughs> what is Belmarty? Arist- Aristotelian <laughs> analysis of the home on the range. So, with our quotes, that gives us our sort of first section of the Mist Wanderer write-up, which is the sort of description of Alameda Slim, our Mist Wanderer. And now let's talk about what I think is going to be an even richer, like, source of discussion, why we went forward with this. This isn't just like a joke. This isn't just yeah. a novelty <laughs> of us talking about how bad Home on the Range is. We are all three of us legitimately think there's a lot of value here in our adventures with Alameda Slim. followed the peddler's tale through all its twists and turns, from the saintly old woman Pearl bravely holding onto her farm, to the havoc wreaked by the enigmatic Alameda Slim, to a strange tangent about a jackrabbit whose significance I still don't understand. I even pieced together the peddler's account of how he came to own the Patch of Heaven's Deed. Allegedly, the little farm went bankrupt and was auctioned off to a wealthy newcomer named Gancy O'Dell, but the auction was interrupted by... what else? A freak cattle stampede! Odell wasn't seen for days afterward, except by his three nephews, who supposedly witnessed him signing over the Patch of Heaven to our friend, the Peddler. A lie, of course, but a refreshingly obvious one. But as to the cause of all this strife, whole herds of cattle vanishing overnight, the Peddler offered no explanation other than vaguely gesturing to his phantom outlaw. At last, my incredulity outmatched my patience. This is ridiculous! You can't even make up your mind whether this Alameda Slim is a ghost, a demon, or some crackpot magical prodigy with a cattle fixation. But you expect me to believe that he stole a fortune in livestock and threw a whole territory into chaos without leaving any clues behind? Clues? Now I see the confusion. Ma'am, there are plenty of clues. I didn't mention it because of my natural aversion to gossip, but... I met a number of folks, from magnates to manhunters, who claimed to have crossed paths with Alameda Slim, either before he became a legend, or in some dark lair hidden out among the sagebrush. I suppose I could close my stall and tell you the likely truth behind Alameda Slim's schemes, as I learned a piecemeal from those who met him. If you're an interested party, that is. So, in Adventures with Slim, once with Cruella, we were like, oh, there's so many possibilities, and that is not the case here. Um, <laughs> there is, however, I think, two possibilities, however, both possibilities kind of fork tributary into the same sort of river of plot, which we'll get to in a moment. But the Adventures with Slim, I can see him as either an antagonist or a patron. And the obvious one is an antagonist, that you, there is this mysterious cattle rustler, the PCs are hired as guards. Even makes sense. You know, it's the kind of thing they roll into a village and they talk, and they're talking about how like the farms are going under because someone's stealing all their cattle, and they're like, they want to hire guards, and the PCs are like, ding, 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 like we <laughs> we found our quest line, and they're hired as guards. And they have this first very humiliating fight where this yodeling cowboy wrecks them with the help of the action economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. we were we talked last week before our Ravenloft game. Uh-huh. We had a big long discussion about how I'll needed Slim could uh, wreck PCs of the action economy, and then we're like, dang it, we were off mic for all of that. So uh, we can <laughs> let's kind be of... on mic for that. Yes. everyone remember exactly what you said. <laughs> yes. It was great. <laughs> but we were we were discussing the whole like yeah cows aren't a whole lot but when you get a whole stampede of cows and the action economy that's how you kill mufasa yeah yeah (laughs) if you have 500 cows it doesn't matter that they have low stats i'm actually pulling up as we speak their their (laughs) stats in the 5e uh yeah and they've got like you know they got 22 hit points they got a 40 feet move and you know they 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 hit hard. They they have a decent like uh, hit, trample like a stamp or or hit attack. And yeah, a, a cow, even an equivalent number of cows, is going to be fine for PCs. But if this is like a herd of five hundred, and they are stomping and trampling and grappling and using the help action, and they're going to get wrecked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think like. I mean, obviously, at no point are you keeping track 
of 500 cows mm. mechanically. Yes. It's that you reach a know. point where it's like, and I, I don't really speak 5e fluently, so you'll have to help me out with this, Tom, but like this feels like a layer thing to me. It feels mm. like, you know, this is like when he's in a cattle yard or whatever, Alameda Slim is using his actions on kind of moving these stampedes around, like cr- like putting cows in the way of like the player characters to keep them from getting to him. He's doing mm. that kind of stuff where... Now, I mean, it's like fighting a swarm at that point. It's like you, 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 yeah. know, you could mm. kill one cow if you want to be a, a heartless player character, right. but you could fireball <laughs> cows. But <laughs> it's not like even that is not really gonna get you where you're going. You, you really need to find a way around the situation or like find a different place and time to to attack him, and, and that seems really fun. It also helps that like his motive here isn't necessarily going to be to defeat the PCs as much as it's just going to be to sort of stop them and thwart them while he gets the cows and leaves back to his secret lair. Yes, and I, I want to mention a thing here. This is like personal gaming story. This is a, a <laughs> thing I, I really enjoyed. Like, I had at one point a, um, an arc of a Pathfinder game I ran against an antagonist called um, Basilisk Bill, who was sort of like... Uh, sort of like a, a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, he was like he was almost like a like a jewel thief type of character, but he was sort of like, you know, this big thief. But his thing was like he never really hurt anybody. And so... When the player characters approached him, I think they had an an uncharacteristic moment of reflection for player characters where it's like, this is somebody who's not hurting anyone. He's just like stealing property. So we do want to stop him. But it wouldn't really be appropriate to like have a high body count in the process of trying to stop this, this, this guy who basically just wants to show off by stealing jewelry or whatever. And in the same way, I think... You could reasonably set up a situation with Alameda Slim where, you know, like he's trying to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. He's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to kill anybody. He's just trying to steal cows. Mm. Um, and, and get so, revenge. <laughs> yeah, like you want to stop him. Mm-hmm. But do you really like do you kill him and all his henchmen for stealing cows? Is that <laughs> <laughs> is that disproportionate? Yeah. And uh, I think the, the other thing we were talking about in terms of an Alameda Slim encounter was, uh, Chris, you had mentioned that uh, f- once the PCs can fly. Yes, yes. And it's going to be uh, making things interesting. <clears throat> yes. I And, I mean, it depends on, you know, how you do his powers exactly. Like, if it's if it were me, especially at low level, I would stick to cows because it's just mm. funnier to be killed by a cow. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think... I would generally at least have him have a signature type of creature. And that really works best on the ground. Once characters can fly, then you don't have the same kind of fun, I think, until maybe you get to like a super high level where he can be controlling or manipulating creatures that have other like movement modes so that like this becomes fun again. So I was saying when we were talking Mm -hmm. about this before, like you can imagine the like super high level planar version of this where these are like, you know, space whales or, you know, interdimensional hypercattle or whatever, Mm -hmm. who, you know, once again can be in a position to stampede flying characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I do think like in a weird way, the stampede is the stampede is the thing that you want to happen in combat Mm-hmm. And and whatever you need to do at the level the characters are at, I think, I think if the characters can't be stampeded, this is not a great fit for like who they are, where you know, and mm-hmm. what level they're at. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you have to be able to arrange that. And so particularly like the first couple of levels after you get flight would be a really hard time to deploy Alameda Slim. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A thing that actually like just occurred to me while we were recording is that if you watch the Alameda Slim song, which is the only part of it yeah, you yeah. can watch. I cannot emphasize this enough. But it's got like a very like trippy pink elephants on parade vibe. Mm-hmm. So you actually could get away with, you know, still having it be fitting the feel of the movie if he like gave the cows some additional power. Uh-huh. Yeah. He yodels to like when he yodels and the cows are under his influence, suddenly they fly. Because yeah. you know, they'll change all kinds of bright technicolors and dancing. Sure, Especially why, if you have the one they get crazy technicolor and they have swirly technicolor eyes. Yeah. And, yes, and he tells them they can just stomp through the sky and target any <laughs> flying players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a, a, a way to do this that I would kind of work at any level is if you if you created this like alternate space that he creates when he does this because making the cows fly kind of works but you still have a three-dimensional space to play with Mm. and so it would be easier for the player characters to kind of like spread out you know be able to dodge in every direction it but if he were pulling them into 
a place where that doesn't work. Like, you know, if you were pu- like at a high level, if you were pulling them into a plane where like basically essentially you leave the plane if you go like above or below this sort of like, you know, like the ground, like this sort of narrow or like he's bringing them into kind of a cave, like, mm-hmm. you know, an enclosed space, something like that would work because fundamentally what you don't want is a situation where as a GM, you're trying to aim a basically two dimensional cattle stampede at characters who can move in three dimensions. That's just mm-hmm. like, it's not worth the headache. Like he's only out yeah, there to yeah. swim. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't need to be doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. calculus over here. I'm sorry. I your podcast. Sorry. We'll beep it. <laughs> the enemy's cattle stampede is down. <laughs> Core generational nerd reference. <laughs> <laughs> So Google it, kids. Uh, so <laughs> you anyway. So you have him as as the antagonist. You're guarding the cows. The first event encounter happens. He humiliates you, but now you like you know his trick that we were talking about. So then you follow him. You track him. You find his lair and you confront him again. And you this time you overcome him because now you know his trick. So you're prepared for it. And uh, there is a twist. We went through a twist there. There is something we could take from the movie. Uh, it's, uh, it's so bad. Um, <laughs> it's so like on, it's just this side thing going on. has nothing to do with anything. But anyway, in the movie, there's this like very respected bounty hunter named Rico, who's kind of leading the chase against Slim, who's going after Slim for the bounty. And in the end, they reveal that Rico's actually working for him and that Slim is sort of paying him off to deliberately like mess up the chase and deliberately like steer the other bounty hunters away from Slim. And that once if you need like a twist, you could have this NPC bounty hunter that the PCs are occasionally clashing with, kind of like antagonistic, and then the reveal that, oh, he's working with Slim, that's going to make the the fight a little sweeter. And mm-hmm. if there's, like, this jerk who said we weren't competent to do this job, but it turned out it's because he's a traitor. Yeah. Okay, two things about that. First of all, it's a very common move, I think, for, for, for GMs to make to jump in with, like, this is the GMPC who can do things mm-hmm. that the player characters can't do. So, like, if you have the good fortune to have a party who like doesn't do tracking they don't do survival skills it would mm-hmm. be perfectly reasonable for you to throw mm. in a gm character who is like oh this is like the bounty hunter has been tracking and so he can like take you to alameda slim then mm-hmm. do the reveal that he's been throwing you off mm-hmm. the trail the whole time mm, yeah and then and secondly like so this there's this bounty hunter character rico you could use him as an npc but also and I'm going to bring something to your show here. There's constructive criticism. There's not enough Marxism <laughs> on your show. Uh, <laughs> I think that <laughs> it, you can be sympathetic to Alameda Slim in the sense that like, he's been you know, ill-used by these landowners. The PCs could be in the position of, of Rico the Bounty Hunter, where mm-hmm. you know, th- here's Alameda Slim doing what he's doing to people who are not good people. And they may decide, you know what, we'd rather get paid to chase you. Right. And then for you, give us a little cut to not catch you. And then, like, everybody's happy. It's, it's been, like, you know, you're not going to get caught. We're getting paid. Um, and, you know, maybe we can even, like, we can help each other. We don't have to completely agree. But, you know, we don't care what you do to, to these horrible people's cattle. Like, as long as, as, yeah. long as you're not killing cows, as long as you're just sticking it to landowners. <laughs> and, and maybe you can <laughs> maybe you can even save this one little ranch. And so you still feel like heroes. Like, you don't have to mm-hmm. be yeah, with, yeah. The, like, the old woman who owns this quaint little ranch mm-hmm. like this so this nice know, old grandmotherly lady who yeah. who made us breakfast like mm-hmm. yeah you you'd rather get a payoff than mess with her yeah and that is very pc and especially in my experience like pcs will love that you like let that happen mm-hmm. that you let them sort of completely go around the kind of traditional story beats of this story of, ah, then you have a boss fight and you beat, you bring the blackout to justice. Like of, of, you know what? How about we don't like these guys. You give us a cut and you agree to leave this nice lady alone and we will pretend we didn't catch you. And if you're like, you don't stop it from happening, you let that happen. The PCs are going to feel very gratified and very like, oh, we are in narrative control of this story. Like, mm-hmm. we're not being railroaded to have a boss fight with the boss. He yes. probably, the GM probably had a whole stat block ready to go, but <laughs> he, the GM is letting us take control of the narrative. Yeah. And it feels good when you have somebody who's like real small potatoes, like Alameda Slim, to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this, I mean, this guy kind of works for us now. Like, you know, whatever he thinks the situation is, we kind of like, we, we found our way around. Like, we're making money on this. Uh, one is worth mentioning the, the nice old lady. So there are certain types 
of NPCs that PCs will, like, glom to and will, like, defend to the death, in my experience. Mm-hmm. And if you give them this just nice grandmotherly old lady who owns, uh, like, a cattle farm and, like, loves her cows and calls them, like, her kids and, like, takes care of them and, like, makes is sweet to the PCs and makes them breakfast. And they will, like, die for that mm-hmm. lady. So mm-hmm. that if you absolutely have to have that boss fight, <laughs> that could be the sticking point of some saying, no, I'm taking her ranch too. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, fine. <laughs> we can't let you take the nice old lady's ranch. And this connects to, as per Cruella, we are going to have a magic item. Because the whole framing story is D buying this item. And we mentioned in the, in the opening fiction, it's the deed to the land. So... This land that this nice old lady has, Rachel came up with a very, very, very good idea for why this deed would be important, why it would be magical, why Dee thinks it would be worth sending to Aslan. <laughs> yeah, and I, I asked Chris, should we tell you what this is beforehand or should we do it live? And Chris said, do it live. So here we are. So the farm is called the, patch of, the Little Patch of Heaven. So what if it is, in fact, a little patch of heaven? Mm. And this is a place where, like... The prime material plane slash the demi plane of dread, if you're doing it in Ravenloft, intersects with the Beastlands, mm-hmm. which is kind of the place of like you know natural happiness and you know the neutral good, like animal, druid, etc. Like the perfect you know nature, like all the glory of nature and the glory of living primal in the primal wild. This is like the afterlife of that. So if you legally possess this little patch of heaven, then it means that in, in some way you like have a stake in the Beastlands, in this little patch of heaven, as it were. You're kind of Mm. infused with its energy. So you have... uh, What were were the uh, magical abilities? It was... It was going to be you... Any animal that doesn't have a pre-existing hostile relationship with you is friendly to you. You have advantage on any animal handle check. So kind of like the opposite of the Cruella rap. Yeah, they were opposite of the Cruella rap. And then you had a really cool king, because it's like, no, we should have something a little more than that, and you had a really cool idea for that. Yeah, if you're a, a spellcaster, then you get the cleric nature domain spells that you mm. would if you were a cleric at your level. You should get those added to your spell list. Yeah. And that's even the nice, like, as you level up. It's not game-breaking, because it's the as you level up, you're going to get access to these more powerful nature spells, but, like, only as you level up. So, like, level one or two, you're just getting, like, animal friendship. Ah, oh, that's really, really good. And I, yeah, I would love for those you. to be, like divine spells regardless of what Mm. kind of caster you are because there's something really like uh, the only thing this is lacking this whole concept this alameda slim thing is that it's like it's not very horror it's not very ravenloft Mm -hmm. but the idea that there is this like (laughs) there's like like this guantanamo bay relationship where it's like there's a little (laughs) piece of heaven that is legally like leased by the domain of dread and so it's like it's stuck there (laughs) and so and whoever owns it, like, just gets these divine perks by virtue mm-hmm. of their ownership. And so you can have, like, uh, essentially this power that comes from heaven wielded by the worst person because they, they own the deed to this little piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. Seems appropriately horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to include in the, like, item write-up the whole, you, know, you have to attune to it. And the whole, in order to attune to it, you must legally own the deed. You must have legally purchased the deed. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, grab it out of someone's hand. You can't, it can't be like, a Gravity Falls thing where you break into the mystery shack and, and steal the, the deed. deed. And now you own the mystery shack. No, you it, it, through the law of whatever nation you are in, you are the rightful <laughs> owner of this piece of land. You have its power. <laughs> I, I love that the target audience of this podcast is people who fully understand, like, parenthetical references to Gravity Falls and also Camp Candy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, and just one little like side note, speaking of um, if you want to take this and maybe not do Ravenloft, you have uh, – there is in the Essentials kit in the Dragons of Ice Spire Peak adventure, there is actually a cattle ranch adventure that's rescuing like a rancher named Big Al from these orcs attacking his – ranch and he won't leave till you find like his prize cow petunia so you have to go find (laughs) petunia and like this could be if you have that adventure if you ran the essentials kit then you immediately have like sort of the connection hey we know big al we helped him find petunia and he comes crying because petunia's been been rustled and so you've got that hook you could make alameda slim a you know Faerun 
post essentials kit adventure very easily. Oh my gosh, I just figured out how you could make the little patch of heaven being an actual patch of heaven thing work in old treatment loft metaphysics because I'm that much of a dork. Okay. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> that could be the stinger, maybe. Yeah, okay. Okay. Stay stay tuned <laughs> for a full explanation. Uh, yeah, one more thing, and that is uh, we mentioned there's two possible kinds of stories, an antagonist, a patron. All of these have been antagonist. Patron is very related, which is you're hired by Yancey Odell, and you mm-hmm. might be hired to just do stuff of, like, helping to deliver, you know, secure claims, do, like, ranch hand stuff, and then you have the reveal that he's the, actually the notorious cattle rustler Alameda Slim in disguise, and either... You could then have the antagonist, like, do the whole, you chase him, and he gets you with cows, and then you find his lair. Or you could even be the Rico. Like, you could be, he pays you to sort of go after, you know, the the find-upstanding landowner, Yancey Odell, has paid these adventurers to track down that terrible villain, Alameda Slim, and it's all just a kind of puppet show you're doing for the townsfolk. <laughs> Which, with the right group, they would have a blast doing Yes, that. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I really like about Ravenloft is the the way that it problematizes the alignment structure of, like, typical D&D. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's a real potential for this here, because you have somebody who's, like, you have an automatic sympathy for the person who's like shaking his fist at the big landowners. But at the same time, this is a guy who like does clearly doesn't care about the welfare of these animals who are pawns in this. You know, Mm -hmm. he cares about art, but he doesn't care about these creatures. And then you have like the little patch of heaven, which is especially if it's literally a part of heaven, a really Mm -hmm. interesting statement about like, there was a lot of cosmic stuff happening in D and D and in Ravenloft, but like the welfare of an animal is like, that's an innocent. That, that really mm-hmm. does matter. It's not the sort of thing you think about when you're playing a heroic character a lot of the time, but it mm. really does matter. And so there is a potential to like really get into like whose side are we on here and like what is what are our values in a way that goes beyond like very simple good and evil, very simple law and chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think having him as a patron opens that up in a way that maybe just kind of chasing him down does not. So yeah, the fundamentally, there's like this one story of Alameda Slim, and it's the story of the movie, but your PCs could enter that story in a couple of different ways, and they could choose how they engage with that story, and whatever they choose, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a weird fun, it's going to be very memorable. Uh, I listened to a podcast, and they were saying, like, every combat should be the remember that time, dot, 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 <laughs> and should have some unique twist they, oh, remember the time the cultists had machine guns under their robes? And we were not prepared for that at all. And this is like, remember when we fought those cows? Like, remember when the guy would yodel and the cows kicked our butts? Uh-huh. And so whatever you end up doing, I think it would be a fun and memorable experience adventure for your PCs. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, the main thing I want to put out, like, how you use him is the fact that he's such an ideal set piece antagonist. I, I think that, like, do you want the headline to be Bard Summons 1D4 Cows? Like, that is not <laughs> that, that is not using him to his potential. You want it to be a big set piece. And so that, that means involving him in the plot. And that's one reason that I think he actually works really well for Ravenloft, which I think always shades toward, like, there's more of a narrative context for whatever you're doing. It's less mm-hmm. of, like, there are, you know, fights in your way to get to the story, like JRPG style. It's, it, I, I think that's not like the best way to run Ravenloft. Um, and he's great for that because he's either like, he's trying to get the cattle somewhere, you know, he's trying to like defend the cattle that he's already stolen so that he can sell them. Uh, you know, th- there's something he's trying to achieve, something you're trying to achieve too, that is different from just winning a combat. And I think you want to plan your adventure with him, whether, whether really he's a patron or an antagonist. You want to plan his role in the campaign to facilitate big set pieces. Like this is this is your only chance to do a cow-based combat, really. <laughs> so, like you you don't need to save anything for later, you know. Um, so, like use all your big cattle ideas for a fun combat, 
Um, and I think if that's the core of it, then like use him in whatever way is going to facilitate those set pieces. So now we have for Halloween brought you the true terror. Yes. <laughs> whether this is a trick, whether this is a treat, we leave up to you. Yes. Could be either, could be both. And honestly, dear listener, I am just incredibly proud and happy that we can like check off Home on the Range in our list of, like, Disney movies we have covered. Are you, though? Yeah, you know what? Yes. <laughs> Who out of, out of you expected us to do Home on the Range? This, this is but, not, we're not, we're not here to praise Home on the Range. We are, we are standing yes. over the slain body of Home on the Range. Like, yes, you two have We've been podcasted. And we did it, and we took this terrible movie, and we got a good, usable fun NPC encounter out of it. And that is a testament to our art. I have the passionate <laughs> devotion of my art as strong as Alameda Slim's devotion to yodeling. So Chris, both thank you and curse you for bringing this to us. And if our dear listeners like what they're hearing, like your analysis and your commitment to Alameda Slim, where else can they hear from you? Well, I am often found on uh, the Hard Choices podcast, uh, uh, about which I can say nothing but its name on this sweet, <laughs> innocent podcast. Um, <laughs> and this Disney Walt fairy dust coated podcast. No, so you can find me on the Hard Choices podcast where I often appear. Uh, speaking of which, I am going to be on a panel at, or have been as of the time of this release, mm -hmm, uh, yeah. on a panel at Rose City Comic Con. I say this not because you can go there. You can't because it's too you late for that. But... <laughs> You can go to the Hard Choices podcast and probably at this point listen to that episode or you soon will be able to. Um, it would be great to get your support for that because it's a tremendous amount of work from which I took a break to do this podcast about <laughs> Slim and Thank Home on the you. Range. Which we appreciate, yes. yes. Yeah, I, Greatly. You know. If you're going to take a break, you may as well do it for Alameda Slim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What could be more worthwhile artistically? I think Alameda <laughs> Slim would be proud of me. Yeah, so go check that out uh, and that will make me feel like I have, you know, like done like my real podcast job somehow <laughs> in the time I've invested in Home on the Range this weekend. All your hard work ain't been in vain for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to tell us how you used Alameda Slim, or was he a yodeling cowboy or a yodeling undead cowboy who wanted to be president, how could they contact us? Well, you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr or Facebook at Wonderful World of Dark Lords. For some reason, on Patreon, we are Wonderful World of Dark Lords 651. I don't know what happened there, but that's who we are. And our teased upcoming Book Club of Dread episode, that one is going to be free for all listeners. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that that was going to be for everyone. Future episodes of Book Club of Dread, we have met our donation yes, goal we have. Woohoo! So there will be future episodes of Book Club of Dread, but after Tower of Doom, it's going to be patrons only. Mm -hmm. So when you hear you that really in like December... Tower of Doom, then you like join it. Patreon. Chris will be joining us for Tower of Doom because yes. it's the, uh, the Hunchback novel, mm -hmm. so, and, he, and he was our, mm -hmm. our Frollo expert, so... Yeah, I'm going to try to make this a two-parter. I mean, I'm going to buy... Definitely, yeah. I'm going to buy so I'm going to buy two bottles of vodka for this recording because I know we're going to have to <laughs> we're gonna have to come back to it. <laughs> Oh, man. There and is... we will do the sober. Mm. Sounds like we're really going to need to make sure we do the roundup sober for this one. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> and if you saw the title of the episode and were like, there's no way they're going to do Home on the Range. And you're like, oh, they did Home on the Range. Okay. Then you are impressed with how we adapt things. <laughs> then I have a couple of adventures adapting horror movies into uh, 5e adventures, including a couple inspired by this podcast. And so you can find those on DMs Guild if you just search for Tom Kohler. And if you like our our all-ages consideration of bleeping out some of the other things, <laughs> then we have some uh, kids' horror gaming, spooky adventures with kids resources on DMs Guild as well. And speaking of spooky things for kids, in the spirit of Halloween, I yes. have a picture book, Mother Ghost Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's if great. you order it today, it's going to come in after Halloween. But maybe you'll be able to get a sale if you order it tomorrow. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find short stories for adults on my website, www.rachelkohler.com. And Chris, thank you so much for yes, Chris, us. Chris, take, thank you so much time for out of your, oh. Taking time out of your busy... Taking your, your, <laughs> you've got so much to do for this con, and yes. yet you made time so that we can get this out for our Halloween trick-or-treat episode. We greatly appreciate it. Thank Very you. Much. I love your podcast, and no, literally no one else in the world would let me podcast with them about Home on the Range. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you for listening, and happy gaming.
The peddler proffered the deed and demeaned us both with a disingenuous smile. I handed over the gold. After all, what if these stories were not just ridiculous lies, and the little patch of heaven were not just a quaint dairy farm? Surely the right choice was to buy the deed along with the stories, and leave it to my patron to discern the true value of his new property. I have enclosed the deed to the farm, along with the receipt for 750 gold pieces. My patron will no doubt be delighted at a chance to enjoy a simple, rustic life that does not encourage an over-reliance on magic. Regards, D. One could hardly deem a rustic farmland overpopulated by pampered barnyard animals a little patch of heaven. But in this case, I must agree with this mysterious peddler. Many would give their very soul for a taste of the divine, but it appears a mere 750 gold will suffice. Certainly, my little servant, purchase such a gift for no other purpose than to please her pragmatic patron. And I am most pleased. As with the majority of tales told by the peasantry, the legend of Alameda Slim is an overly colorful and aggrandizing story that obfuscates the truth and elevates common fears. It would come as no surprise if Slim himself was responsible for some of these tales, for from my own extensive research, Slim is nothing more than a charlatan who managed to learn a few bardic tricks. This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through museopen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. Dialogue for Yensid was written by Azalyn Rex himself, who you can follow on Tumblr at DarkLordAzalyn. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, look for us on Patreon.com or find our tip jar on Red Circle. Thanks for listening! Alright, so, Van Richten's Guide to Fiends. There's... <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole thing in Vendrickton's Guide to Fiends about the reality wrinkle. That's essentially extraplanar beings, when they come to Ravenloft, they kind of bring a little piece of their plane with them. Like, they're so powerful that they actually warp the fabric of Ravenloft mm. around them. And that's actually, in the older stuff, that was what was going on with Carnival, because in original Carnival, Isolde wasn't just like an elf Aladrin, she was like a celestial Aladrin. Mm. So she was an angel, and like the whole way that Carnival was like her pocket domain, but not really because she wasn't a Dark Lord, was that it was her reality wrinkle. So that's how why they kind of had to do this whole thing where in, in 5e with like Isolde's kind of the Dark Lord, but it's actually her sword, right, because right, Isolde's right. not a Dark Lord, because that, that, that was how they had to like kind of get around all of that. So Little Patch of Heaven is clearly a reality wrinkle sure. from an extraplanar being that came from the Beastlands. Mm -hmm. And since it's tied to the location, probably it was like uh, some kind of whatever the angels are there from the Beastlands was like bound to an inanimate object, like mm. possibly even to like the barn building itself or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And so the reality wrinkle was kind of anchored around whatever this object is. And probably it's located in a domain with a very lawful Dark Lord of some kind, like mm. maybe Darkon or something like that, and so that's why it's bound by all this that like, makes sense. who has the contract stuff. Uh, would the reality wrinkle persist if, like, the creature were... Because I'm imagining how maybe it's, like, the bones of some creature, mm. some, like, sort of primal nature celestial that was summoned there, like, ended up dying there mm -hmm. and being buried, and it's sort of part of the land. So the reality wrinkle is still there. Rules is written if they're dead, then the reality wrinkle mm -hmm. is gone. But you're the GM, you can do whatever you want. And that sounds really cool. So I, I do go. not know what GM would not have the bones of an extra planar making a reality wrinkle. What would be wrong with that? <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about having a like extra planar being in this adventure. Yeah, you can still yeah. just be like, no, this piece of land is randomly mm -hmm. a... A, an overlap with the Beastlands. Yeah, and maybe even um, whatever the old lady said. Was she just Granny, or did she? She was, uh, she was a Pearl. Pearl's Pearl, her. Okay. 
Uh, so maybe Pearl, like, was some kind of, like, nature cleric or something mm-hmm. like that. And so she had this, like, was blessed by this extraplanar mm-hmm. being and, and whose bones are in the land. And mm-hmm. she had this personal connection. But if she loses the land, then she loses that, too. So. All right. Yeah. There you go, folks. This stinger brought to you by Rachel's <laughs> encyclopedic knowledge of the <laughs> older Raven Wolf Lord. Oh. oh I, Good night. Uh, Are are we still recording? Because I don't make me say this off mic. This is too, I can't. (laughs) It would be great. I was suggesting in the doc, like she could be like an ex paladin or something like that. It would be great if like either the, like the land itself, the animals on it, or like if she were a paladin, like a paladin's mount would be an example Mm -hmm. where like, because this could play into whatever the domain is where like this little piece of heaven, like, and this like, whatever this creature is or this place is this the you know group of living things um that need to be defended that is simultaneously like it is the kind of mission that a paladin wants like it is a good deed but mm. the fact that it exists in this hostile place is itself a source of strife and so it would be a great kind of duality of like its presence here is part of the torment part of the horror of this place because to put one perfect place and one vulnerable innocent in the middle of that creates such a like firestorm of suffering around it because of mm. what is necessary mm. to like to protect it. I think that would be a really interesting way to like bring, especially if you had a character who's like a very good character in, in your Ravenloft campaign to bring them into this of like, yes, this is heaven, but its presence here creates suffering. Like you are a pawn of the dark powers because they've put it here. So you're going to have to spill blood defending it. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good. So (laughs) we have taken the worst movie Disney ever made, (laughs) arguably, and I think actually managed to find an iteration that was pretty horrific. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Good night, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Stay safe.